Open our Bibles if you can. Uh, there's two scripture references on the screen. Uh, the first one is the one that we'll read from today. The second one is the one which we've been referring to uh, over the last number of weeks, uh, looking at the whole theme of spiritual warfare. We're going to look specifically, when it talks about the devil's schemes, we're going to look specifically uh, at the area of temptation today. Um, I don't know if you remember, a number of years ago, I I did a two-part message on temptation. Uh, Those notes are still available if you want a copy of them. Uh, But today is more just kind of looking at the temptation of Jesus, which we read about in Matthew 4. And uh, really the plan is to just pull out some keys in that and think about the devil's schemes. So just before we read, let's just pray and commit our time to God. Father, we pray that you'd open our eyes and ears to hear what the Spirit would say to us this morning. Father, we pray that we would hear your voice and not man's voice. Father, it's what you would speak into our spirits is important. And Father, you know every need that is in this place today. And Father, we pray that you would speak into those needs. Father, that you would just speak that command into that area of need. And Father, that we would see your deliverance in that area. So Lord, we pray for your blessing on our time together as we read your word and as we consider it. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. So let's read uh, through the scriptures. We're going to begin in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. And it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended to him. Now the scene here is that Jesus has just been baptized. There's that moment of an incredible, powerful witness where the father speaks over his son. And people hear this audible voice, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. A powerful moment. A very clear and distinctive moment. A defining moment as we thought about last week. A spiritual experience who those who were there would never ever forget. In fact, clearly, because it's written down in the Bible for us to remember as well. And then we read that Jesus was led alone into the desert. And the gap between verse 1 and 2 that we read there is 40 days. 
40 days of fasting. I don't know if I could handle 40 days of fasting. I'm pretty sure if God said, I want you to fast for 40 days, then he would sustain me through that fast. But we read at the end of this 40-day period that begins this time of temptation which Jesus experiences. I want us to just pause for a moment and think about temptation. I'm going to use a little analogy, and here it comes on the screen. Have you ever tried to catch a mouse? I've tried to catch a mouse using one of these humane traps, okay? A little bottle, and you put the the white chocolate buttons at the bottom of the bottle, and you tilt it so that the mouse goes in, grabs the buttons, and then can't get back out again. However, I had some crafty mice in my garage, uh, in my shed, sorry, in the last house. It was able to get in, eat all the chocolate buttons, and get back out again. (laughs) So I slightly increased the angle, and I thought, I'll get it this time, Again, chocolate buttons gone, mouse gone, no success. Still the mouse eating all of my stuff in my shed. So I increased the angle and I thought, it's not going to get out here. Do you know what the little blighter did? It didn't even go into the glass. Chocolate buttons, still left, no mouse, no success. I thought, I've had enough of this. I'm going to get a real trap. And uh, sorry for those who think this is inhumane, but it was really destroying things. And it's when it started eating through Josh's pram at the time, I thought, right, that's enough. (laughs) That pram cost me a fortune. You're not going to chew through that. And so I put down a trap. And that one's got cheese on it, but I put uh, a Mars bar on my trap. (laughs) Who can resist a Mars bar? And the whole thing about temptation is about finding out what we either want or need or desire. And we are tempted by those things. We're tempted by what we want, by maybe the things that we need. Maybe there's legitimate needs. And perhaps that temptation gets to a stage where it's a compulsion. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, or is it just me and my temptations where it becomes a compulsion. You just can't get out of your head. Whatever that thing is that you want to be, te- that you're tempted by, you maybe don't want to give in to that temptation, but it becomes a compulsion. But the problem with the mouse in this trap is that it's unaware of the danger. Its need drives it beyond its understanding of the danger. And I think it's like that with temptation as well. Sometimes the things that we're really tempted by, and they drive us in such a way that we're not, or we're unable to think about rationally the dangers of giving in to that temptation. Those temptations might be small, but those temptations might be very big. And so we need to consider those things which tempt us and think about how we respond to those things. And I believe with all my heart that God is the person, if we are prepared to come and ask him, he will come into the situation. And the Bible says that with every temptation, there's a way of escape. The problem is, sometimes we don't want to take the way of escape. And that's the problem when it comes to temptation. And so we're going to look at Jesus' uh, temptation here that we've read about. The first thing 
that we're going to read is the, well, the first temptation that is the one that we're going to read about. Uh, Matthew 4, 3 and 4. The tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The location for this temptation is the desert. The need is a physical need. And it's an issue of necessity. And the temptation in this case, well, there's two temptations, but the, the one that I want to focus on, because this, the other one will come in the next temptation, the one that I want to focus on is the physical need which Jesus had. He'd been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And when the tempter comes along to you and says, you can turn those stones into bread and satisfy your hunger, that's a very real temptation. And so the temptation is, eat it. It's at a physical level. We could fill that red slot with a whole bunch of different temptations on a physical level. In this case, the need is provision. But it's more than just provision because Jesus has the power to do the very thing that the devil's tempting him to do and to miraculously provide food for himself. And we can read that in other areas of Scripture where physical needs have been miraculously met. Jesus will have read the stories about Elijah and his provision in the desert. So Jesus knew those stories, but he also knew who he was and what he was capable of. And there's an issue for us sometimes in the physical level when it comes to provision. The, the Bible tells us that God knows what we have need of. But we can be tempted to meet that need ourselves, to make up ways of meeting that need. Now, let's just understand. I worked for 10 years in Mitsubishi. I had a job and I had provision for keeping a roof over our heads and all that kind of stuff. I believe that was the, God, the job that God wanted me to have, and so that's where I was for all the time that he wanted me to be there. And so God can provide for us in all sorts of ways. But I sometimes think when we're in a desert place, when we're in a place where we have physical needs, and, and perhaps, perhaps the need can be financial security, God knows what your need is. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says these words, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. God knows what our physical needs are. And Jesus knew that he had a physical need. But he also knew that in this situation, for him to give in to temptation would be the wrong thing to do. And so I want to just take a little walk through the spiritual armor and think about how Jesus might apply it in this situation. We'll look at that for each of the temptations, but not all the spiritual armor. So just don't get too alarmed, okay? You will get home for your lunch. So the first thing that we need to look at is the belt of truth. What does Satan say? He says, if you are the Son of God, if you're the Son of God, 
If God is real, why does he not provide for me in this situation? If God is real, if God is who he says he is, if all these miracles that we see in the Bible are true, then why am I not seeing my miracle? But the Bible says that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. When the Bible says that God knows what you have need of, even knows what you need before you ask, that is the truth of what the Word of God says. By putting on the belt of truth, we take that Word and we apply it to our situation. Now, many people will know what it is to have physical need, to have a financial need, to have a need for provision in some sort of way, to have a health need where we need to see God do a miracle. But we need to come back to the truth of what God says, not just what his word says, but what is God specifically saying to us in our situation. And when we understand that, it will set us free. Everything hinges on the belt of truth. I think that's why Paul referred to it as a belt. It's a a central thing. It supports other areas of the armor. And we need to know the truth about what God is saying in our situation, no matter what our need is. The second thing is the breastplate of righteousness. And righteousness is essentially living out the truth. Knowing the truth is one thing, but acting upon it is another. We need to live out the truth. So, in a sense, righteousness is truth in action. We could say that it's right thinking followed by right doing or simply right living. And it's called the breastplate of righteousness. Which area of the body does the breastplate of righteousness uh, guard us against? Attacks at the, the heart. And the Bible has a lot to say about our heart, the condition of our heart, the health of our heart, not our physical heart, I've got a little device which tells me uh, how well my heart is doing day to day. It's actually becoming a bit of an obsession watching my, my, my pulse go up and down. And I'm like, oh, it took me ages to recover on Thursday night after an answer board meeting where I decided to cycle down, forgetting I had to cycle back. And, uh, oh, man, it took me ages for it to come back to normal. Our heart is a central part of who we are, our physical heart, but... The heart is so important, our spiritual heart, who you are as a person. And Proverbs 4.23 tells us to keep your heart with all diligence. Guard your heart, for out of it spring the issues of life. The very issues of life come from the heart. And so if the enemy can get us in our heart, then he is one. He can bring ill health to the rest of our being through attacking us at a heart level. And Jesus had to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Not just right thinking and right doing, the Bible says, but using that and doing the right thing by it. Third thing is is readiness. Jesus didn't go into a quandary and say, oh dear, what am I going to do? The devil's come to tempt me. How am I going to respond? What do I do next? He was prepared. He'd already been praying and fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus didn't panic. He didn't have to run around and get prepared. He wasn't caught by surprise. 
Physically, he may have been weak because he'd been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, but spiritually, he was wide awake. But also, not just in this time of preparation, 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus is now 30 years old when all of this has taken place. Jesus has been a student of the scriptures since he was a tiny child. He's learned the scriptures. He's memorized the scriptures. And so he is ready. Are we ready when the temptation comes? Are we ready? Are we prepared? The Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 15, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Readiness as a Christian. Readiness when the temptation comes. Not getting ourselves ready after the temptation has come. There's no point in doing that. If you've ever watched a war film, and I've watched loads, the people who succeed are the people who are prepared. What is it they say? Fail to plan, and you plan to fail. Well, fail to prepare, and you will fail. Then, fourthly, Jesus exercises faith. Jesus recognizes that there is a bigger picture. Jesus recognizes that he's dealing with an enemy. Jesus is able to face the enemy. Jesus is able to stand his ground. And Jesus is able to lift the shield of faith. The shield that is able to block the fiery arrows of the enemy. And if you've ever saw a Roman shield, the Roman shield covers the whole body. It's a curved shield. It's one that you can actually hide behind. And when the shields come together and form What's it called? The turtle? That shape where everybody's underneath. I don't know if you've ever saw that film, The Eagle. Uh, the film about a Roman, lost Roman legion, if you've ever seen that. At one point in time, they form this shield to go out and to attack and to rescue those who've been taken prisoner, but also to defend themselves. And that's what our faith is. In the times when we're tempted and tested, that is the time where our faith needs to rise. Very often it's the time where our faith, we feel as if it's getting weaker and weaker and weaker. But it's when faith needs to rise within us. Next we have the helmet of salvation. Knowing whose you are. If you belong to Jesus, then the Bible says that we are saved. Knowing what we're saved from. Knowing the price of our salvation. Salvation is freely offered. It's a free gift. It's a gift of grace through what Jesus has accomplished. But it came at great cost, great personal cost to Jesus. Then we have the word which Jesus is able to handle. And having the word of God inside us is important. David says, I have hidden your word within my heart that I might not sin against you. What does it say? The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Listen to what Jesus does next. He answered, It is written. Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Matthew 4.4 4. Where did this come from? 
How did Jesus know this? Well, he was reading from the Torah. He was reading from, if we were using a new word today, it would be the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Well done, David. Ten out of ten, go to the top of the class. But just be careful when you're at the top, because <laughs> there's only one way to go. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Jesus knew the scriptures and Jesus was able to use the scriptures. And the Bible likens, Paul likens uh, the scriptures to a sword. A sword is used as an attacking implement. And I think it's why Jesus was able to say on, an, uh, on another occasion in John 4.34, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And then lastly, the preparation of prayer. The Bible says that the prayers of a righteous man are effective and powerful. They accomplish much. And so in that place of prayerfulness, not only do we strengthen ourselves, but we hear God and we receive instructions. We're also able to petition God about all sorts of things. The second temptation uh, we're going to look at will not take so long and through all of the, the spiritual armor, just for the sake of time today. But we'll come back to this in a couple of weeks' time as we finish this uh, series off. Matthew 4, 5 5 to 7. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Here we go again. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. The location is different now. Jesus isn't in the desert anymore. It says that the location is the temple. And the need is different now as well. The need is an emotional need, let me suggest. And the issue is one of identity. It concerns Jesus' emotional well-being. And the temptation is, prove it. Prove it. Have you ever been there before? Where you get a temptation, and the temptations come, and it says, prove it. If you are the Son of God, prove it. If you are a Christian, prove it. And that can be a really negative and divisive thing. Let me tell you why. Many, many years ago, we were on a Sunday school trip in a big coach. And I remember, it must have been about autumn time, I guess, because I had my prized chestnut. Some of you all have heard this story before, I think. My prized chestnut on the end of my string, it was an absolute cracker. And I was kneeling on uh, on, on the seat of the bus, talking to the guys in the seat behind. This was in the days where you're allowed to be in buses without seatbelts. You're allowed to be in cars without seatbelts. In fact, you're allowed to do all sorts of things that were crazy in those days. And I'll never forget, I have never forgotten what was said to me. If you are a real Christian, then you will give me that chestnut. That's shocking. 
what a thing to say. If you are a real Christian, what did he do? Well, at that point in time, I was old enough to have made a decision for myself to invite God into my heart, to ask God to forgive me for my sin. And as far as my little life was concerned, I was a Christian and I was following Jesus. And I handed it over. I said, there you go. It's yours. If you're a real Christian, did I need to do that to know that I was a real Christian? No, I didn't need to do that. The question is, was he a real Christian by asking me? The Bible says a lot about covetousness, doesn't it? Not desiring after what somebody else has. And so the issue was, prove it. And sometimes the enemy comes along and he says, prove it. Prove you're a Christian. Sometimes people come and say to us, if God is really who he says he is, prove it. But that's not how God works. Because it's not about proving it. God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. The issue here is one of power. It concerns Jesus' emotional security. The knowledge of who he is about himself as the son of God. And sometimes that can be the issue for us as well. The issue of power. Power is a dangerous thing, let me say. Because sometimes when we have power, we can be tempted to use that power just for the sake of proving that we have that power. And that can be an unhealthy thing. Jesus chose the way of humility. If we are to become Christians, then we need to also choose a way of humility. Jesus had the power to act, but it would not have been consistent with God's will. Throw yourself off the temple because the angels will catch you. But then Jesus gave this answer. Oh, sorry, Jesus on another occasion where he's talking to the disciples gave this answer. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does, the son does. This was not part of God's plan. Therefore, it was not part of Jesus' plan. Jesus didn't need to demonstrate his power here because it wasn't in God's plan to demonstrate power in this way. So to have done it would have been to give in to temptation and to have sinned, but he remained sinless. Our issue, what is the scene of our trials and temptations? Let's look a little bit at the armour here. Coming back to the belt of truth. This whole thing, if you're the son of God, this exchange of words, this exchange of ideas, this exchange of meaning, Jesus doesn't need to prove who he is. He already knows who he is. He knows that he is the son of God and he knows that God has a plan and purpose for him. And because he's been praying and fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he knows the will of the Father. And so he rests on that truth 
He rests on the fact that I don't need to prove this right here and now because I know that there's going to come an occasion where it will be proved, that moment where he dies on the cross. Listen to to the exchange of words here. The second thing that I want to just consider briefly, if you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift up Uh, lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone, verse 6. And this is a direct quotation from Psalm 91. How did the devil know the Bible? How did he know it to quote it to Jesus? Surely, if you're quoting the Bible, it must be the truth. But on this occasion, he's misquoting He's using it out of context. But then Jesus comes back with the reply. It is also written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And I often think about uh, fencing when it comes to spiritual armor. I don't know if you've ever tried fencing. You get all the body armor on. You get the the fancy uh, helmet thing. You get your foil. And there's a little move called a riposte. Okay, and it's followed. It, it follows what's known as a parry. I've I've done fencing before, and it's really really tiring. Particularly when you've not warmed up your body and your legs, you think, oh, this is easy, uh, but it's hard work. But there's this moment where your enemy comes to attack with the foil. It comes in, and you parry, which is a little block. And once you do that, your enemy's off target, and it's your opportunity to go in for the riposte, to go in for the the jab. Right here, parry followed by riposte. And that's what Jesus does here. The devil misuses the word of God against him. He parries, he blocks that word, and he immediately follows, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And often it's like that. And we need to be careful and we need to discern what we're hearing and what we're dwelling on. The things which come into our minds and our spirits that might sound right, but we need to be on our guard because sometimes the enemy can use the word of God as well. The third temptation, and again it says here, the devil took him uh, to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The location is the mountaintop. The need is a spiritual need. And the issue, I think, is one of authority. It concerns Jesus' purpose and mission as the King of Kings. What's the temptation? The temptation is take it. All of this, all of this can be yours. Just bow down and worship me. And it's about Jesus' position. But Jesus already knows that the enemy has to be subject to him. He knows the truth. This is what the Bible says. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. We read this at the end of Matthew in 28. Towards the end, 
of Jesus' story in the Bible in Matthew. And he recognized this all along. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You might remember A couple of weeks ago, Stephen referring to the incident where people rose from the dead at the time of Jesus' death. A powerful, powerful statement at that point in time. Jesus said himself, I tell you the truth, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Jesus knew his purpose. Jesus knew there would be a time for these things, but his time was not yet. Jesus had all authority. John chapter 5 verse 27, and he, talking about the Father, has given him, talking about the Son, authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Jesus had authority. Jesus didn't need to wrestle for authority because it had been given to him. Our issue. What is our issue? What is the scene of our trials and temptations? Perhaps it can be on the mountaintop where we experience the trials and temptations. Perhaps it can be maybe how we come back down off of the mountaintop when we feel those trials and temptations. And the Often when I think about mountaintops, I think about Moses and his experience with God on the mountaintop and how he came back down the mountain. But Moses was a man who was marked by humility. We also think about another man who I think, from what I can understand at least anyway, was marked by humility, and it's Martin Luther King Jr. And he talked in one of his speeches about being on the mountaintop. And I found myself strangely moved by these words as I was preparing this week. And when you think about the fact that he was assassinated for being outspoken about the things that he believed in, this is what he says, we've got some difficult days ahead, but it doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop and I don't mind. Like anybody, I would love, uh, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go to the mountain and I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. And as I read these words, I found myself incredibly moved because God takes us to the mountaintop so that we can see the promised land, so that we can see where he's leading us to. The question is, how do we come back off of the mountaintop? What do we do when we come back down? And Martin Luther says this, and he was prophesying, I believe, I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. And so I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Powerful, powerful words when you consider what he was fighting for and what eventually happened to Martin Luther King Jr., but he had a humility of spirit as he came back off of the mountaintop, just as Moses was humble. And as we think about the armor, the truth is, 
if you will bow down and worship me. I'll give you all of this. But the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Bow down and worship me. Hang on a minute. The earth is the Lord's. And Jesus knew this as well because he knew the Psalms. The earth is the Lord and everything in it. Satan had nothing to give Jesus. It was lies. It was not Satan's to give. The truth is, and Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And as we draw this to a close, we need to consider how it ends. Then the devil left him. The angels came and attended him. If we think we have experienced temptation, we need to read this story and meditate on this story and understand that the temptation which Jesus faced came at every level, physical, emotional, spiritual. Every area was challenged. But he resisted temptation. He knew the truth. He applied the truth and he lived the truth. He knew the word of God. He was able to quote the word of God and he was able to live out the word of God. He was the real thing. And we are encouraged in the same way in James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, to submit ourselves to God, to resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. The real, the real question is, do we really, really believe in God? Will you let God provide for your needs? Whatever level they come at, whether it's a physical thing, an emotional thing, or a spiritual thing. Will you lay down your worries and cares, casting them on Jesus who cares for you? The things which you are tempted by the little, maybe seemingly insignificant areas of life where you're tempted to move in the wrong direction? Will you rest in the security of knowing that God knows? Will you, like Jesus, overcome your fears, whether of man or of anything else in this world? The Bible tells us to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. The challenge is for us to put this into practice. We experience temptation at all sorts of levels. Sometimes we feel as if it's relentless. We need to ask God to come and strengthen us in those times. We need to be prepared We need to have those regular disciplines of prayer, those regular disciplines of reading God's word so that when the time of temptation comes, we are already prepared. We don't need to panic and say, what am I going to do now? We know the truth. The truth is in us and the truth is setting us free as we're putting into practice. Let's bow our heads. Musicians, please come back up and we're going to sing in just a little minute, but we're going to pray and ask God to cement these things in our hearts. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
Father, we pray that you'd give us the presence of mind and spirit to understand when we're being tempted. Father, to understand the dangers of yielding to temptation. Father, just as that picture showed us with the mousetrap. Father, help us not to be so captivated by the thing which tempts us, but, Father, to be captivated by you because we know that you are our provider. Father, we know that you are the source of our life. Father, we know that you are the one who provides for our every need. And Father, help us to trust in you with our needs. Father, help us to trust in you with everything that we are, with all that we have. And Father, we pray that you continue to lead us in these things. Father, we pray, help us to put on the spiritual armor. Whichever area that is in our lives that we need to work on or strengthen or pray into you about, Father, we pray that you'd help us to do that. And Father, we pray that you'd help us to stand our ground. Father, that verse in Ephesians is very clear, that we need to stand our ground. James, in his letter, encourages us to resist the devil, and he will flee from us. Paul encourages us to stand, and after having done everything else, to stand, to stand our ground. And Father, the enemy gets in in so many ways, and he comes in in ways that we don't expect. And he catches us by surprise sometimes. But Father, help us to be aware. Help us to be alert to his schemes. Father, help us to be alert to the fact that he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking people whom he may devour. Help us, Father, to be conscious of your presence in our lives. Father, help us to be meditating upon your word and to be spending that time in prayer and knowing your presence. Father, we read in your word that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, and yet still remained without sin. Father, we pray that you'd help us not to give in to the old nature as we thought about last week. It will seek to get in and dominate, but Father, help us to take our focus away from the old nature and to focus on the spiritual nature, the spirit nature that you have placed within us, that new nature, that new life that you have placed within us. And just as we draw things to a close today, if there is anyone in here who has never made that decision to follow Jesus, I spoke about as a six-year-old child asking Jesus to come into my heart and to forgive me for my sins and to strengthen me and help me to be one of his followers. If you've never made that decision and you want to make that decision today, then I just ask that as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, that you just pop your hand up just so that I know who you are and I can pray for you. Father, we just thank you that you're at work in this place today. Father, for that one person who stuck their hand up there, Father, I pray that you would come by your Holy Spirit and that you'd fill them and that they would experience that newness of life Father, that you would wash away all of their sin. Father, we thank you that that's been done and accomplished through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And Father, we just pray that you would bring a newness of life. Father, we pray that you bring freedom and a newness of purpose. 
Father, for each of us as we go into this week, Father, we know that there'll be things which we face. Lord, we don't know what this week holds for us, but we know that we can step into it knowing that you're with us. And so, Father, we just pray uh, that you bless each member of this congregation. Father, take us into all that you have for us. And, Father, may we know your power and purpose at work in us and through us. And, Father, we pray this, that you might receive all the glory. Father, for all that happens in the life of this church this week, all the groups, all the activities, Lord, we pray that they would be infused with your power. And may you receive all the glory. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.